0: Good morning, welcome to, again to those of you here in the room and those of you watching online. We're glad that you're with us this morning. Pastor Arlen and his family are out of town this weekend, but we are continuing on in our series. Uh, since the beginning of the year, we've been going through a series called The Books, or we've been going through the Bible. The Bible means the books, a collection of books, 66 books that we've been um, studying and we are On book number eight today, Um, the last few weeks we've been looking at some of the stories from the seventh book of the Bible, which is called the Judges. So we've gone through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, and today we're going to be looking at Ruth. We've been going through a mini series through the book of Judges called The Rescuers. The Israelites, or God's people, had made it to the promised land, and when conflict comes, God rises up a judge to help the people. But unlike the previous stories, today's story doesn't come from the book of Judges, but it does pl- take place during the time of the Judges. It's towards the end of this time, just a couple generations before kings would rule in Israel. Additionally, unlike the previous stories that we've looked at the last few weeks, this story is about some quite ordinary people. They didn't lead the nation, or they didn't have far reaching influence like Deborah. They didn't have spectacular opportunities to be used by God to rescue God's people like the military leader Gideon or the warrior with superpower strength, Samson. The people we'll look at today, they didn't save God's people from peril. There doesn't seem to be anything miraculous or spectacular really about their story. It doesn't seem to be. So why include this story in the books as its own separate book? Well, I hope we can answer that question today. The book of Ruth, like I said, is the eighth book of the Bible. It's only four chapters long, comes right after Judges pastor Arlen covered the book of Ruth in February of 2021 so if you have interest in diving deeper into this story he covered it over multiple weeks so you can go on our website and listen or watch um, from back in 2021 but we're going to cover the whole story today this story again is about ordinary people just trying to survive during desperate times we learned last week that the end of the judges was a bleak time period If you want to get into that you can go watch last week's message of just the darkness that was this time as the last verse in judges says in those days israel had no king all the people did all the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes there was religious and moral depravity national disunity and continuous oppression from other nations not only that, we find out that there's a severe famine in the region that this particular family was from. So we're going to start and look into that at Ruth chapter 1, verse 1. In the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judea left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and two sons with him. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife was Naomi. Naomi. Their two sons were Milan and Kilian. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. And when they reached Moab, they settled there. So first thing I want to note is this family is from Bethlehem. And if you've been around church, especially at Christmas time, you might be thinking, Bethlehem, I've sung that song. Oh, little town of Bethlehem. Well, that's some foreshadowing that we'll see uh, later on why that's meaningful. But imagine this family out of desperation for food, choose to leave God's promised land and become refugees. They're just trying to survive. They decide to leave everything they know, family, customs, their language, their home, leave it all to avoid death. They go to a foreign place with different customs, different gods, different languages, just to survive. A foreign place that has in recent years been hostile. They despised each other. This would have been an extremely difficult choice. Then we find out in verse three, Elimelech dies and Naomi was left with her two sons. The two sons married Moabite women one married a woman named Orpah and the other named a woman named Ruth. But about 10 years later, both Kilian and Milan and Kilian died. This left Naomi alone with her two sons, without her two sons or her husband. So now, here they are, refugees in a foreign land. To make matters worse, within 10 years, Naomi is far from home without the three men in her life. A widow taking care of two more widows. What a heartache. Pastors mention this often because we need to remember the context of this time. Not only can we look at that story and go, that's horrible, that's miserable. But especially for women during that time, they didn't have rights. So without marriage, their future was hard and bleak. Without a male heir, it was pretty desperate. And especially if you're widowed, you can anticipate a life of destitution. Well, Naomi hears that there's food again back at home in the Promised Land, so the three ladies start off on their journey back. But at some point, Naomi knows what's in store for her and the two widowed daughter-in-laws that are currently alongside her. So she's like, hold up, wait a minute, you two need to go back home to your families. Maybe your dads can find you new husbands to marry and you can have hope of a good life, but if you keep following me, we're going to be kind of miserable together. But there must've been something quite winsome about Naomi. She was maybe the all-star mother-in-law because both of her daughters strongly protest. There's a lot of weeping and crying and sadness in the thought of leaving Naomi. And Orpah ultimately did as Naomi requested and returned home, but Ruth refused. And in verse 16, Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. Wow. What a statement. Again, I think Naomi must have been just someone lovable that Ruth would so strongly want to stay by her side. Not only stay by her side, but Naomi had introduced her to the God of Israel, and Ruth is now claiming, this is the God that I want to serve. Naomi had nothing to offer Ruth as far as a promise of food, a future, but that's still where Ruth wanted to be. So in verse 18, when Naomi saw Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. So the two of them continued on their journey, and when they came to Bethlehem, the entire town was excited by their arrival. Is it really Naomi? The women asked. Don't call me Naomi, which means pleasant. She responded. Instead, call me Mara, which means bitter. For the Almighty has made life very bitter for me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me? Now, as I imagine this scene, they're coming into Bethlehem, a small town. You know, it was very communal in those days. So people would be out in the streets, chit-chatting. And these women that we read about, you know, the, is it really Naomi? They come up a few times in this passage. The women, are saying things. And I just imagine, like, Naomi just kind of proclaiming to everyone, don't call me Naomi anymore. I am bitter. Life's been hard. And often I think growing up in the church, there's was, there was a sense in my mind that Naomi just kind of gets a bad rap. Like this is what we, our image of her is that she's this grumpy old lady and that's where she stays. And especially when it's contrasted with Ruth, who just seems so loving and kind. But again, I'm like, well, Ruth wanted to stay with Naomi. There must have been something about Naomi. But right now, Naomi is having a moment, because, yeah, life has been really hard. Imagine, she's coming back into a town that she last left with her husband and two sons looking for greener pastures. She didn't imagine herself probably coming back, now with the responsibility of herself and her daughter-in-law, being concerned for the future. Maybe grief is hitting really hard, heartache. It's heavy. She blames God. But as we'll see in a few months, she didn't stay there. She still believed in God. But she was having a crisis. Kind of understandably. Maybe you've been there or find yourself there today. May I just remind you that God sees you just like he saw Naomi. He cares about you. It would take weeks of messages to try to unpack the problem of suffering in the world. At least unpack it as much as our finite minds can understand. But hold tight. We will see God working as this story continues. And I hope it renews your hope in a God who loves you dearly and who I trust is still working in your life, even if it doesn't seem like it. So chapter one closes with, So Ruth returned from Moab, accompanied by her daughter-in-law Ruth, the young Moabite woman. They arrived in Bethlehem in late spring at the beginning of barley harvest. So Naomi is understandably struggling in the pit of despair, so Ruth steps up to care for them and in chapter 2 verse 2 one day Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi let me go out into the harvest fields to pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who is kind enough to let me do it Naomi replied all right my daughter go ahead now a little bit of context here with how harvesting worked back then so they'd you know the stuff would grow It was time to harvest and gather it all. So usually men would go out into the field and cut down the standing grain by hand with hand sickles. So they're they're working away, and then usually women would follow, picking up the grain, putting it into bundles called sheaves, and then they would continue on in the field. Maybe at some point there'd be a cart that they were able to pull a person, or if you were wealthy and you had an animal that could pull a cart and you'd load all the bundles onto the cart take it over to the threshing floor where you'd separate the grain from the rest of it so after all that there would inevitably be pieces that were left behind and this was the ancient way of food stamps god had instituted in the law of moses to leave behind what you miss and this was for the poor the foreigners widows and fatherless glean from now ruth didn't know if she would find someone kind enough to let her glean in the field she says to naomi she says let me go see if i can find anyone kind enough remember she was a foreigner and again this is depraved times so yes this was god's law but many people are not following god's law right now And so, would there be someone kind enough, one, to a foreigner, a people who were despised? Um, And the author reminds us over and over again in the book of Ruth that she is a foreigner. Yet we see that those that are following God's law care for her and are kind to her. But would she be able to find anyone like that, who would care about God's laws, or who would care about the destitute? So Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters, and as it happened, she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, a relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. While she was there, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you, he said. The Lord bless you, the harvesters replied. And look at that. Her first day out in the field, and she happens to find not only a godly man's field, but someone who was a relative. And then Boaz happens to come out on the first day that Ruth is there, and he notices her. He says in verse 5 to his foreman, who is this young woman over there? Who does she belong to? And the foreman replies, she is the young woman from Moab who came back with Naomi. She asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvesters. She has been hard at work ever since, except for a few minutes rest in the shelter. So Boaz went over, And said to ruth listen my daughter stay right here with us when you gather grain don't go to any other field stay right behind the young women working in my field see which part of the field they are harvesting and then follow them i've warned the young men not to treat you roughly and when you are thirsty help yourself to the water they have drawn from the well ruth fell at her feet and thanked him warmly What have I done to deserve such kindness, she asked. I'm only a foreigner. Yes, I know, Boaz replied, but I also know about everything you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I have heard how you left your father and mother and your own land to live here among complete strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. First, I want to note Ruth's reputation pointed out in verse 11. The people had heard about her. She was the talk of the town in a good way. And while Ruth is a beautiful example, we meet another example, Boaz, a wealthy and influential man of Bethlehem, also a relative of Elimelech. And he, though it's no benefit to himself, he offers Ruth protection He knows it's not safe for her to be alone and far away from the workers or gleaning from field to field and trying to find a different place every day. So he tells her to follow along with the workers. And he instructs the workers to not rebuke her, insult her, to treat her roughly, which apparently was typical behavior too. But Ruth wouldn't have to deal with that. Then he offers her some pre-drawn water, which I don't know if you can appreciate that unless you've had to draw up your own water, but she doesn't have to spend time and energy getting water herself to drink. She can have the water that's already been brought up. Then he offers her a meal. That day, Boaz served her food as the rest of the workers ate, and she ate until she was full and still had some left over boaz goes beyond the requirement of god's law here he allows her to glean among the sheaves or the bundles so again the bundles they would have been gathering the bundles maybe leaving them on the ground as you know they're waiting for the cart to come and typically they would tell people that had asked to glean they're like we need you need to stay away because you know they might steal out of the bundles where he says i want you to glean among the bundles because it's safer for you to stay closer to my workers. And then he instructs the workers to purposefully drop additional grain. So the women, you know, they're gathering these bundles, and they're putting them on the cart or something, and he's like, now I want you to intentionally drop, drop a piece, drop another piece. He's so generous here. Again, he had nothing to gain. But Boaz shows compassion and care in the likeness that Ruth has shown. Care for her mother-in-law. It's beautiful and profound and emulates the character of the God of Israel. Verse 17, so Ruth gathered barley all day. And when she beat out the grain that evening, it filled an entire basket She carried it back into town, and she showed it to her mother-in-law. Ruth also gave her the roasted grain that was left over from her meal. Where did you gather all this grain today, Naomi asked. Where did you work? May the Lord bless the one who helped you. So Ruth told her mother-in-law about the man in whose field she had worked. She said, the man I worked with today is named Boaz well may the lord bless him naomi told her daughter-in-law he is showing his kindness to us as well as to your dead husband this man is one of our closest relatives one of our family redeemers now some context here regarding the family redeemer another thing god had instituted in his law to care for women was that if so maybe you have a few brothers and they get married and one of the brothers dies well it's the responsibility of one of the other brothers to take the widow as his wife um, so that she can bear a son to carry on the family line to carry on the family property and to avoid poverty for the family again women couldn't carry on the property and things like that because they didn't have those rights so this was um, a way to care for the the widows But of course, the brothers have died, and Naomi is not in a place to have more children. One, she'd have to find a husband and be able to bear more children. But she doesn't think she's able to do that. So the responsibility of the family redeemer would go down the family line, and this man was in that family line. Ruth had, quote-unquote, stumbled upon... The good graces of not only a godly man, not only a relative, but one of their family redeemers. So she continued to glean in Boaz's field for barley harvest and then wheat harvest, approximately four months. Then we pick up in chapter 3, verse 1 One day, Naomi said to Ruth, My daughter, It is time that I found a permanent home for you so that you will be provided for. Naomi has a plan. Naomi was now ready to step up for Ruth. Just like at the beginning of last chapter, Ruth said, all right, I'm going to go get us food. Naomi's ready to say, all right, I got to find a place for you. There's this beautiful reciprocal love selflessly caring for each other, looking out for the other person. But not only that, we see that Ruth trusted Naomi. Naomi's plan was kind of interesting. The plan, we don't totally understand the cultural context of it. And uh, what we do know is the men now, everything has been harvested. They're on the threshing floor, so they're separating the grain from the stalks. And... As they would do that, harvest time was a very celebratory time, and the men would need to sleep around their grain to protect it from robbers, animals, all that stuff. So Boaz would be out with the other men doing this, and uh, Naomi knows that, and so she tells Ruth, I want you to uh, get all cleaned up, put on some perfume, put on your best clothes, and then I want you to sneak over, watch what's going on, once the men lie down notice where boaz is lying and i want you to sneak over uncover his feet and lay down at his feet great plan i'm not really sure why naomi couldn't just go to boaz and be like dude can you help us out but this again there's a cultural context here that we don't totally get but ruth is like i will do everything you say So she went down to the threshing floor that night and followed the instructions of her mother-in-law. Verse 8 picks up. We find out what happens. So around midnight, Boaz suddenly woke up and turned over, and he was surprised to find a woman lying at his feet. I'm glad Scripture lets us know he was surprised. Well, yeah. If I'm in bed and and I feel the slightest little maybe bug at my feet all of a sudden all the covers are off and there's just like wildness happening let alone a whole human being at my feet he was surprised but he keeps quiet somehow and he said who are you he asked i'm your servant ruth she replied spread the corner of your covering over me for you are my family redeemer The Lord bless you, my daughter, Boaz exclaimed. You are showing even more family loyalty now than you did before. For you have not gone after a younger man, whether rich or poor. Now don't worry about a thing, my daughter. I will do what is necessary, for everyone in town knows you are a virtuous woman. But while it's true that I am one of your family redeemers, there is another man who is more closely related to you than I Stay here tonight, and in the morning I will talk to him. If he is willing to redeem you, very well, let him marry you. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will redeem you myself. Now lie down here until morning. Now first I want to note again Ruth's reputation pointed out in verse 11. It was pointed out in verse 11 in chapter 2 as well, where it says, Everyone in town knows you're a virtuous woman. She's been around about four months now. Everyone's heard of what she's done, and everyone has seen her virtue. Now this may seem like a rather forward or odd or maybe even indecent thing that just happened. But the moral integrity of Naomi and Ruth is never questioned. In fact, Ruth is praised right away by Boaz for what she did in coming to him. And Boaz continues to care for her well-being. He doesn't send her off into the night, which again would have been dangerous for her. He says, stay here, we'll keep you protected. He makes sure she gets off early in the morning before anyone would see her and think that something indecent happened. And then he is generous once again, loads a pile of barley on her back to take back to her mother-in-law. Ruth gets home and reports everything to Naomi, and I just have to wonder, like, did Naomi like, stay up all night, just like anxious and excited to hear what would happen, see if her plan would work? Was she like, maybe I should have thought of something different? This was a little crazy. I don't know. But when Ruth uh, reports everything to Naomi, Naomi says to her, just be patient, my daughter, until we hear what happens. The man won't rest until he has settled things today. Notice how hopeful and confident Naomi sounds now. Remember just a few months ago when she asked to be called bitter, which I'll note the author never does in scripture. Naomi is hopeful. And she knows that Boaz is a man of his word. He said he would deal with things the next day, and he did. The very next day, he seeks to do the things, do things as God's law requires. He's above reproach. He seeks to go uh, and find the man who is next in line and ask him. And this family member goes unnamed in Ruth. and um, But we know that Boaz goes and finds him, gets together a council of witnesses. That's how legal matters would have been cared for. And this unnamed family member is interested in the land that would come from... Uh, taking up his place as the family redeemer. But once he knows that Ruth is part of it, he's like, you know, it's too risky for me to acquire Ruth. It might impact my inheritance. So he declines. But Boaz, again, in his generosity, accepts. Even though for him, too, it's a risk. So in chapter 14, verse 13, Chapter 4, verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth into his home, and she became his wife. When he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant, and she gave birth to a son. Then the women of the town said to Naomi, Praise the Lord, who is now provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. May he restore your youth and care for you in your old age, for he is the son of your daughter-in-law who loves you and has been better to you than seven sons. Naomi took the baby and cuddled him to her breast and she cared for him as if he were her own. The neighbor women said, now at last Naomi has a son again. And they named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse and the grandfather of David. What a love story. A family who loved well and followed God's laws in a beautiful way, painted for us right after the bleak backdrop of the conclusion of Judges. This story has ordinary people doing ordinary things. They're going out, getting food, taking care of each other doing what needs to be done but what maybe felt like ordinary actions we read them and marvel because those actions were done in quite extraordinary ways they displayed a love for god through their actions showed a selfless love to others kindness compassion generosity work ethic integrity simple things but not easy It should have been common among the people of God, but it wasn't. And just like today, you know, common courtesy isn't so common. But for us, the extraordinary can kind of seem out of reach when we study uh, stories like Deborah and Gideon and Samson. We feel like maybe we'll never do anything, quote unquote, big for God. But following Jesus doesn't always look so flashy. Few people end up with huge, seemingly huge influence. Few people really are world leaders or even city leaders, mega pastors, Fortune 500 owners, social media stars. For most of us, we live in the beautiful ordinary, doing the daily grind to put food on the table Dealing with work issues, maybe raising children, caring for aging parents, dealing with our health issues, going to the store, helping out at church sometimes, dealing with a neighbor. It can all feel so ordinary. But in the power of God, when we add some kindness, we add some compassion, add some generosity, even if it doesn't feel like a lot, add integrity all seasoned with love man it can make a difference and as I was preparing this message of course it was on my mind a lot as we're just kind of doing normal things this week and um, yesterday was Jens's birthday and so we were doing some celebratory things and also just doing normal things he helped his brother move a playground set. I had to run an errand with my mom. We went to uh, the fantastic cuisine of Taco Bell for his birthday dinner. And, uh, you know, just like normal, normal stuff. But as, again, I was thinking through this and just the love and kindness that I express to my children every day in the way that I speak to them, in the way that I correct them, it matters. The way that I communicate to staff of Taco Bell or the grocery store, it matters. And I was trying to think even of people that have, you know, I've maybe even met once, but the image is in my mind, just because they showed some kindness that I didn't expect. The errand that my mom and I ran, I was just so impressed by, there was three younger staff, and they just were all like nice. And it wasn't like they were, like did anything like above and beyond customer service-wise, they were just like nice, delightful. <laughs> and um, And I remember one time, I don't know whose wedding I was, wedding dress shopping with them for, But I remember being at David's Bridal, and I have this image of this young gal in my head. She was just nice. And and I hope that, especially as those of us that claim Christ, that we can be that in our world today, in the ordinary things that we do. Going to the grocery store maybe going to Taco Bell or not going to Taco Bell, depending on how disgusting you find it to be. Um, but even last night as we left, I um, I like yelled, you know, thank you. And then each of my kids, you know, follow. Thank you, thank you, even my little one, thank you. And, and it was just so sweet of like, not only do I hope that that means something to those workers who are probably treated pretty badly. You know, we have some fast food workers here that <laughs> um, have some stories to tell, but, um, but only also as just an example to my children of how to care, be kind to people. I was also reminded of, we went um, a few months ago with um, my brother and sister and their families to an indoor water park I was a little nervous, because it seems like a really bad idea, but it was better than I thought it was going to be, <laughs> to put a bunch of little kids in a contained room with water. Um, but there was this one worker I remember seeing, and she just seemed nice. She didn't do anything for us, but I remember seeing her wandering around with a what seemed like a lost child and helping her, and she had this fun little headband thing on. And um, That night, my husband and I left the kids with my family at the hotel and went to get a late dinner. Uh, picked up some choroba. The Mexican food theme continues. So, um, so we're in line. So you have to order and then you pay at the end. And I noticed this gal from the water park standing in front of us. And I just kind of get this nudge of like, pay for her food. I'm like, okay. And then I start doubting of like, what if she's like picking up food for a whole bunch of people? <laughs> or what if she's like, this is weird? I because I, I'm just gonna say I noticed you at work today. Like. There were hundreds of people there. Wouldn't that kind of sound weird? Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I should. she's going to order a whole bunch of stuff and it's going to be like a whole bunch of money. Maybe, no, yep, yep. I should do it. Okay, yep. So I listened for her to order, and she, sure enough, she just orders for herself. So that gave me a little more like confidence. And so sooner or later I say, like right before she's about to put the credit card on, waited to the last second out of awkwardness, and I'm like, I'd like to pay for your meal. I saw you at work today and I appreciate all that you do. She was like, thank you. I actually got vomited on myself today from one of the people, and then my boss got bleach in my eyes. We were cleaning it up, and I'm like, oh yeah, you needed that today. (laughs) And I just think of simple things like that that have been done to me, that hopefully I am available to the Lord to take those nudges and just bless people with simple things in just the ordinary life the beautiful yet ordinary life that we may lead. Then we let God control the legacy, lived by our seemingly simple faithfulness. Ruth didn't know that her great-grandson would be King David, Israel's most beloved king, who is called a man after God's own heart, who we'll learn about in the coming weeks. She didn't know that legacy would come from her. The ordinary brought a lasting legacy for Israel. And we find out generations later that Ruth would not only be in the family line of King David, but would be in the family line of the Redeemer of all people, Jesus Christ. A redeemer like Boaz, who is from a little town called Bethlehem. A redeemer like Boaz, who shows compassion and kindness for the downtrodden. A redeemer like Boaz, who keeps his word. And a redeemer like Boaz, who is generous. A redeemer like Boaz, who did not look out for his own interest, but knew our need and offered himself. Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, who would take upon himself the sins of the world to rescue us when we were destitute. In a moment, we're going to be taking communion together. Communion is a way to remember what Jesus Christ did. And whether you find yourself, like Naomi, at the beginning of the story, empty, discouraged, angry, or you f- are like Naomi at the end of the story, full. Or maybe you're somewhere in between. May this story remind you that you have a redeemer who is full of compassion, kindness, love, and generosity towards you. Shown through Jesus Christ, death and resurrection, and through everyday graces, his presence, Holy Spirit, wisdom, strength, peace, maybe even shown through the care and kindness of each other. And as Naomi encouraged Ruth to be patient after that night at the threshing floor, and they awaited their Redeemer's intervention, may we wait with hope to see our Redeemer intervene in our situations. Naomi's great-great-grandson would write in Psalm 27, Yet I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I'm here in the land of the living. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord.